You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. So we'll be talking about Echo and the Bunnymen, Ocean Rain. In the room I have Rob. It's me, Robbio. And on the line I have Kyle. Howdy. Ocean Rain is the fourth studio album by the English post-punk band Echo and the Bunnymen. It was released on the 4th of May, 1984 on the Corova label. The producer was Echo and the Bunnymen and Gil Norton, Henry Wustat, and the genre is post-punk. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Jason Anke. Challenging the lessons of the experimental porcupine into more conventional and simple structure parameters, Ocean Rain emerges as Echo and the Bunnymen's most beautiful and memorable effort. Ornamenting Ian McCollin's most consistently strong collection of songs to date with subdued guitar textures, sweeping string arrangements, and hauntingly evocative production, the album is dramatic and majestic. The Killing Moon, Ocean Rain's emotional centerpiece, remains the group's unrivaled pinnacle. All right, what do we think of Echo and the Butterman, Ocean Rain? That's some good soup. It is Great really record. good. Great record. Yeah, this is a really good record. I feel like I did a full transition with Echo and the Bunnymen as we did this project, which was really nice for me. Hmm. We got nice. the first album, and I was like, eh. Didn't like it. So-so. I didn't hate it, but I just felt like it wasn't there and then we got porcupine i thought oh yeah this is really interesting they brought in a lot more of the uh, middle eastern themes and sort of the psychedelic and did a little experimentation here and then this feels like the pop like mix of those things adding strings is perfect for this for the song structures and feels like a, a door i mean i'm a doors fan Feels like mm-hmm. doors, but at the same time, very modern, very sparse. Got that big echo and well-crafted songs. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you, with the exception of uh, crocodile. I don't think it belonged in the book. I think that uh, that was put in there. I don't know why it was there. To be that was the first honest. one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know why it, why yeah. it's in the book, but the other two records, 100. percent Yeah, this is the this is the f- farewell. So I, th- I thought uh, the self-titled came after this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but they're on the downward trajectory. Gotcha. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ocean Rain. Um, I, I think I told you guys I, I I bought this um about a week after I saw the movie Donnie Darko in like two thousand one. I was like, like Dummy Darko. Oh, re- Rob, no. Fantastic soundtrack. If you've if you've never seen the movie, yeah. It's, yeah, it's um, but there is there's a, a a scene early in the movie that is that that plays. Uh, the Killing Moon. That was the first time I had ever heard it, and I thought the song was a masterpiece. So um, I got this record, and I've I've listened to it a lot over the past twenty ish years. 
And this is this is definitely the echo that I'm the most familiar with. Uh, and I think it's great. I, I think all these songs are fantastic. I was really struck with um, like Nocturnal Me, Throne of Crowns. I mean, they, Yo-Yo Man. there's yeah, there's they're just up and down. This is a really good album. Yeah, it feels like uh, I don't want to keep saying it, but it does feel like they came into their own. And this is just the culmination of everything. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they they figured it out. All their eccentricities, all their influences distilled into this a is it. wonderful like a uh, arrangement of uh nine songs yeah 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 nocturnal me is in our our cans right now and this uh this is a great track yeah oh, it's such a good second track it's so sinister in the the strings it's just uh just i don't know this album almost has a theme because they talk about like oceans and water a lot but um yeah this album makes you guys me like want to smoke cloves outside the gymnasium. Makes me want to smoke <laughs> opium. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> it feels like, I do feel like this is the soundtrack of like an opium den. This is a soundtrack <laughs> of wearing a cape on that bridge in Broad Ripple, Kyle. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we go to Denny's afterwards. <laughs> that's right. Or Perkins. Perkins. In the early 1984, they record most of the album in Paris using a 40 or sorry. 35 piece orchestra. Wow. That's a big orchestra. That's a big old orchestra. Yeah. yeah. It sounds great. Yeah, the 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 detail of the orchestra just sounds incredible. I was I was very impressed. Man, I would just had like two people but then overdubbed. But that would take would that take longer? I don't think so. What if there's a sour note? Hard to say if that would be better or not. 35 people and getting them in place into a room and micing all that shit versus like... Uh, they don't mic them individually, though. But they mic the room. Fine. <laughs> you have that open airness of a of the orchestra. And that would only work with the amount of people in that room. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, I think it works with... No, it, it sounds beautiful. Yeah. I'm not trying to. Uh, it's just not how I would have done it because I don't have the Echo and the Bunnyman money. <laughs> I was a little surprised that they they were able to do it to pull it off. Well, didn't yeah. Crocodile do well, or is this a was Crocodile? No, Crocodile was a kind of a a blunder. I think like they uh, it didn't sell as well as they wanted it to, and this is kind of like their uh, old Gill's got one more shot. Yeah. Not Crocodile, I'm sorry, uh, Porcupine. Porcupine did not. Porcupine. Yeah. Crocodile did well, and then they were trying to bring it back. Yeah. And bring it back they did. Um, They got producer Gil Norton uh, doing this thing, and you're not going to be too surprised, but he's going to be popping up in this book a lot. Yeah. Would you like to hear some of the albums it's going to be popping up on, Kyle? Please. All right. The Triffids, Burn Sandy Devotional, boom. Yeah, buddy. Uh, masterpiece. Throwing Muses, self-titled. Pixies, Doolittle, and Bossa Nova. Oh, my God. Um, and so with that, he accounts for a full point zero zero five percent of all the albums we're going to be covering, which is quite a lot. Those yeah. are all albums I listened to in my early 20s. Yeah, That's, man. Yeah. No, wow. he's... Uh, the list of stuff that he's produced is very, very long and uh, worth taking a look at if you like the way that this sounds. But 
Yeah, got some uh, got some heavy hitters. Pretty cool. Born Sandy Devotional is not in the book, right? Uh, it is. It is. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I only mentioned the things that are in the book. Otherwise, I would have been talking. It's number five in the book of a hundred best Australian albums. Sorry, let's get back to. Uh, no, what, you, we wouldn't talk about NXS now. I'm, I'd be more than happy to. <laughs> This one did very well, unlike Porcupine. Reached number four in the UK album charts, number uh, 87 in the US, so not as well, and number 41 in the Canadian uh, charts. So, doing okay. We didn't have a big love of uh, Echo and the Buddyman at, at the time, I think. Stu- too busy with our, with our pop Michael Jackson in... Uh, Madonna. Oh, I'm sure the goth clubs were eating this shit. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, just, but I mean, small ass subgenre. The uh, did um uh, did Susie do well over here before? Um, mm. I don't even think Juju like no. charted much over here. So yeah, it's just a. Uh, I'm 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 glad I'm it's, here right now. Yeah, it's the anti-pop. Wonderful though. Just a bunch of spooky kids. Spooky. <laughs> Looking like Bella Lugosi. Yeah, I did find it interesting that I hadn't really put it in, you know, thought about it too much, but they pull out, they they drop the post-punk, right? For me, this doesn't sound anything like a post-punk band anymore. This just reminds me of, like, what Lou Reed's going to be doing later. I don't think the yeah. Bad Seeds, like, of. Like I, th- I think this predates any of uh, Lou Reed's more gothy stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, no, I, I don't think this is. Did you see the bad all. seeds? I did say the bad yeah. seeds. What's wrong with the bad seeds? Do you mean Nick Cave and the bad seeds? I yeah. did say Lou Reed didn't. He said Lou I, Reed I, and I, the bad seeds. My God, get out of here! You never heard that collaboration? <laughs> I'm sorry, these Miller like lights to. are hitting a little harder than I <laughs> thought. I need to check my blood sugar. Go get me my glucometer. You set my teeth on edge, you set my teeth on edge, you think you're a vegetable, never come out of the fridge. Cucumber, cabbage, cauliflower, memoirs, April dark it's jaunty yeah it's surprisingly dark just the arrangements and if you actually take a look at the lyrics they're pretty sinister um on some of these but when i was digging through the lyrics um i was looking at some lyric sites that had fan submissions and do, do you guys want to hear about this fan submission for uh, analysis for absolutely uh, thorn of crowns you know i do the moaning the groaning the stuttering and the one times one with you all add up to some hot and heavy action the initial lyrics all suggest that the object of his affection is a bit, shall we say, frigid or virginal. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the internet's full of creeps, guys. Oh, my God. Uh, I did like Rolling Stone's uh, take on the album, which described the album as, quote, too often a monochromatic dirge of banal ex- existential imagery cloaked around the mere skeleton of a musical idea. Woof! Wow! Yeesh. Wow! Who wrote that? Who was that? Rolling Stone. Stone. Was that two stars? <laughs> Probably like wow. four stars because it's Rolling Stone. Um, when they miss, they really fucking miss. Yeah. 
I I couldn't believe that. I mean, for Rolling Stone, they must have just had a out for bands of the you know of this post punk genre because they I do not think that didn't we just say this wasn't post punk anymore? All this uh, I don't think it is. They just don't like spooky kids. Yeah, yeah, they don't. I don't know what to call this though because it's not goth, is it? Or is it? Pretty sure this is goth. What is this, Kyle? Tell me. It was labeled as post-punk. I don't think it is. I think it's a little post-punk. I think it's a little goth. I think, you know, it, it's. I think it's a, a plus that they're kind of hard to, you know, fit into a, a specific genre or category. I mean, this is 100% puffy shirt, fake vampire teeth. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be, but it could be. But it, in, in my brain, that's who's singing this right now. It's because you're thinking of Jim Morrison. <laughs> no, he was puffy faced. I mean, you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking of Bauhaus. I mean, Bauhaus is. Of course, I am. One hundred percent. Okay, I, okay. We're listening. What song is this? We're listening to uh, Thorn, of, Thorn Crowns. of Crowns. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Goth. Fair enough. And this this does have a little bit of a post punk edge. It does. Just prancing around. Little stage. little theater. A <laughs> little bit of theater in there. You don't have to wear leather pants to listen to this band, but it would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to look at you weird if you go to one of their concerts in a puffy shirt and leather pants. Yeah, this is beautiful. This is a great... It, it warms my heart that I got to um, like uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. That warms my heart. I mean, Crocodiles just hit me weird, and it it's gotten, I feel like, Almost better ever since. Although I, I'm kind of with you on Porcupine maybe being... Oh, yeah, no. That, but I don't know. I, I I think Porcupine's the the overall winner. And I'd like to go back and look at what other albums we were listening to that week where I was like, God damn it, Crocodile. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it was the weakest of them, and maybe I didn't quite give it its day in court. It had some jammy elements that were not quite, I feel like, reined in. They were still trying to find their footing, I, I feel like, on Crocodiles. With how much I enjoyed the other two albums, yeah. I'm going to have to go back and give it a another another whack. Just to see if I was being a big old butt, or if perhaps... Uh... Yeah, not for me. I, I remember it very vividly. I do feel like this is the most cohesive that we've covered so far. I, I feel like Porcupine it was disparate mm-hmm. in their in, in the way that they and they would admit as much too because it was so difficult to record that this this feels like the you, you said it, Kyle, uh, the conceptual idea of this album is right there. Um, all these songs lend themselves to the the whole album. To the next, yeah, yeah, and and they all work. Complete cohesion with a, uh, yeah, with, with with the product. Did anyone Google Boney Maroney, or did you guys already know already know what Boney Maroney was? Boney Maroney, meaning the going back to the old, was it doo-ops? Oh, it's a dance. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because the okay, the first did time I ever heard Boney Maroney. Wait, are you looking at Boney Maroney? Oh, what's up, Boney Maroney? When did he say Boney Maroney? Are you Maroney? on? Are you on TikTok? You watching? He says those? Boney Maroney in uh, My Kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> the the penultimate track, <laughs> you which is funny. <laughs> what? Excuse me, bro. Take of a dork. 
It's fine. Did you call me a dick of a dork? You just said penultimate track, you nerd. It's the second to last track. Yeah, I know what penultimate means, you dingus. <laughs> well, I'm very proud of you. Um, <laughs> it's funny because the first time I ever heard Boney Maroney, it was um, the NXS song off of the... Oh, God, I just forgot it. was the Joel Schumacher vampire movie. Lost Boys. Lost Boys, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, this band was also on that soundtrack covering The Doors. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Joel. Boney Maroney. <laughs> yeah. Do, you know, uh, do you know how to do the Boney Maroney? I don't know how to do the I'm about Boney, to. Boney Maroney. You're going to show us? Mm-hmm. I'm doing it right now. You just can't see it. Okay. Uh, it's b- below the belt, Boney Maroney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, Kyle, I, I, I want to correct myself. Uh, the Triffids, uh, Callinger is in the book. It is not. Callinger's uh, in there instead of Born Sandy? Yep. What? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I had to correct it before this episode goes out. Otherwise, I'm going to get screamed at in the, by From the David British man. Combs fans no one Side two. This is uh just one of the one of the one of the better uh, fucking goth poppy songs yeah. ever ever put to wax, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful does, song. Does anybody feel like this this song was so strikingly different and well produced? It felt like they spent either a lot of time on it or whoever is remastered or mastered it. Well, they recorded it as a single yeah. first. Yeah. They spent a lot of time on this one. I mean, there's like this, this reversed was, auto harps in the chorus. Like, this was there's crazy stuff going on put here. Down before they even went in to do the record. It was so striking. I get that a little bit um, with albums that we cover, where it's the single is one thing, kind of like Born to Run had that. But I still felt like the other. A lot of times they can hide it a little bit by you know doing a well-produced album, but this one felt so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, twice as good of quality as the other ones, and not because it has anything to do with the instruments or the playing or anything. It's just literally the fidelity of it is so much higher. Oh, no, th- th- this got tightened up. Yeah. Like, overall. Maybe they brought in a ringer like Scott Litt or something to <laughs> polish it up a little bit. It sounds I just, fantastic. I, I agree. It, it does, and I just... It was so striking. I was like, whoa, did this like is it it just felt like it was from a completely different album or master or something it's great well it's the the perfect uh banger track one side two yeah yeah lordy but yeah it doesn't really get much better than that uh and seven c's i love seven c's i love seven c's too the yeah, it's a fantastic single. second side i think as uh is is more loaded than the first yeah, I'd agree with that. Which is great. 
it ends really strong. Yeah. You're right. You want them to sit with it the, through the entirety of the record, and they they 100% accomplished that. It was marketed as the greatest album ever made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how did that come around, guys? Uh, they needed a good album, and they said, this is the greatest album ever made. <laughs> Yeah, before they played Killing Moon, um, when they're on tour and they're doing live shows, um, the lead singer would say, this is the greatest song ever written. And they played this song. It's, you know, it's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. I haven't I haven't listened to what, the, what it sounds like when they play it live. I imagine it'd be a little different without all the, the studio trickery. Mm-hmm. Guys, what is the greatest song ever written? The greatest song ever written? Yeah. It's a Twilight Zone by the Golden Earring. <laughs> um, That's it. Eh, oh, That's all you need. Thank you. Thank you. It's hard to say. I believe it's the greatest story ever told, which is the King James uh, Bible. Are, are we just are, are, <laughs> written sing song? Are we considering <laughs> cl- classic music as um, well as rock and roll? No, I'm just talking uh, your 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 peasantly bard music. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll have to think on it. Yeah. This one's a great great song. I don't know if it's very good song. God, it's such a good song. Like if all of the other tracks sucked and this song was on the record, I would still be like, yeah, of course this goes in the band. This goes in the Okay. Book. I don't I wouldn't go that far, but if it, two or three, it still you're, would you're make right. it for me. That, that was that was a little bit of hyperbole. Yeah. That's all right, a, if it was just this and Eternal Me, I'd still recommend it. True? Yeah. Combines the powers of a member of the first wave post-punk bands with the grandeur of a 35-piece orchestra, a move reminiscent of the evolution of pioneers of 50s rock and roll. I think that's true. Mixes surreal poetry with Eastern influence guitar lines, symphonic majesty with abrasive pop song structures, all while remaining a cohesive, disturbing, and beautiful album. Remains the band's high peak and breaking point. Because I don't pay that much attention to lyrics normally, I don't get the uh, the darkness aspect. Are the lyrics so pointedly like you know bleak that it deserves that sort of a uh, like? I mean, you don't think Killing Moon has has that din 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 din? I mean, it has the minor. Well, the, the music. Musically, it's just more interesting. I I don't find it to be uh, like sad or sinister. Uh, but the the write up, unless I misheard you, like that lyrically, it's supposed to be a little little darker than I I think I'm mm. I'm here. I don't know. I, f- I feel like the music conveys the darkness. I've obviously poured over these lyrics several times, but um, yeah, Nocturnal Me is feels like a very. Dark you got to hear the sinister. Yeah, strings on that song, like the arrangement. Yeah, I was uh, I was wondering if the damned had gone full goth before this. They hadn't. Um, that because um, well, I mean, Strawberry came out in '82, and I think their next one came out in '85. I mean, yeah, if, you're you right. wanna, if you want to compare this though, Joy Division. This sure, is, this is absolutely like falling right there with Joy Division goth elements of that. I feel like they're a little more psychedelic. Just without the uh, dusters, hi-hats. Yeah. And, uh, weird angular shit. It's Yeah, it's like the goth 
it's like the goth met the 60s psych jangle. It's cool. I No, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. It's a it's a great listen. I finally get Echo and the Bunnymen. Congratulations to me. Feels like my birthday. <laughs> Total positive. Total positive. Check this record out. Yeah. Absolutely. Check it out. Now, I want to know what you guys think the right order to listen to the Echo and Bunnymen albums would be. The three that we've covered. Crocodiles. Porcupine, Porcupine, Racetrack, Porcupine, 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 Racetrack. I feel like this is the most accessible. Yeah, would you go this way and go backwards? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I did it, so. Okay. Yeah, I guess for uh, accessibility points, yeah. Go this one, then go a little more raw with Porcupine, then, I don't know, ignore Crocodile or jump to the self-titled. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you want to experience music. If you want to figure out the evolution, Crocodiles, Porcupine this but if you're just interested in uh would i like this band? i think this i think this has more songs that would hook a casual absolutely for sure that's Listen what out. i'm thinking too if you just want to dip in this one would definitely do it and you go a little little deeper yeah uh what do we listen to right now my kingdom, my kingdom. My kingdom. that yeah. little intro uh reminded me of in my heart dun, 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 dun. I don't know what that is, bro. Oh, shit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back. Hold on. <laughs> I got to remember what song that is. Let my love open the door. Yeah. My love open the door. door. Yeah. To your is that what you're saying? My yes, love yes. open the door. Awesome. Yeah, I hear that. Let my love open the door. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> your heart. <laughs> no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that intro sound like it, though? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> It's fucking Pete Townsend. Alright, next time we'll be talking about Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. Alright, thanks y'all.